church, let me just say this. Uh, revival is not going to come this week because it was put on the church calendar. And revival is not going to come this week because you're going to have Dr. Leo Day, one of the most gifted musicians, lead music starting tonight through the rest of the time. And revival is not going to come because I'm preaching. But revival is going to come if it comes because of God's word, because of God's spirit, and what God's word and spirit is going to do to you. And if you're willing to respond, that might mean come to the altar. That might mean go to someone else. That might mean bow down in your, where you are right now. That might be stand in the pew. But whatever it is, I want to just encourage you in these series of meetings that we have, don't just come to sit there and listen to me. Don't just come to stand and sing among everybody. Come even right now, and if you haven't done this, just pray a prayer right now. God, through your spirit and your word, speak a word to me and let me leave here differently than I did before. If you've got a copy of God's word, I invite you to open it to the book of Mark chapter 10. If you've got a tablet or phone, you can turn it on to Mark chapter 10. And this morning I want to speak to you on a sermon I've entitled, Unfollow, Unfollow. Follow Mark chapter 10, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 17. Mark chapter 10, we'll begin reading in verse number 17. And as you're turning there, just to bring the text into view, Jesus has been teaching, and some of the parents that have been listening to him want to bring their children in order to be touched and blessed by Jesus. And what the Bible tells us is that the disciples, of all people, the disciples are forbidding them from bringing children unto Jesus. And when Jesus finds out about it, he rebukes them, he becomes indignant, and he says, let the little children come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. Those who would receive the kingdom of heaven would have to be like a little child. That does not mean that children are perfect. Now, if you're a grandparent... You think children are perfect. Your grandchildren are perfect. But let me speak to the parents in the house today. Children are perfect. doesn't mean that you come perfect because the Bible says none of us, even a child, none of us are righteous, no, not one. These children have nothing to give Jesus. All they have is something to receive Jesus. And the Bible says he blessed them. So we go from children who have nothing and receive everything from Jesus to now a man referred to in other places as a rich young ruler who has everything and we're going to see if he gets more than everything in response or he actually leaves with nothing. And if you would please follow along with me in the text. I'm reading from the English Standard Version uh, this morning. The Bible says, and he, Jesus, was setting out on his journey. Verse 17, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, pay attention to this, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these things... I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, 
He said, one thing you lack, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but social media has completely changed the way we talk. Uh, I was in a revival meeting up in uh, Illinois, just or Indiana, excuse me, about uh, two or three years ago. And I remember I was reading, uh, as I was trying to find out what was going on and what was new in the world, I was reading, uh, I was reading the, um, uh, the, the, the online, and there was an article there that caught my attention that, that Oxford English Dictionary was adding new words to the English vocabulary. And do you know what one of the words three years ago, the Oxford English Dictionary added to the English vocabulary? It's the word friendversary. Have you ever heard of the word friendversary? You know what a friendversary is? Yeah. Friendversary, if you don't know what that is, that is when you have been connected. That's the anniversary of when you connected with someone else on Facebook. Friendversary. And in fact, when I was growing up in North Carolina, I don't know how they did it here in Texas, but my grammar and English teachers always taught me that the word friend would always and forever, as far as parts of speech, it would always be a noun. But is that the case now with social media? No, because not only is friend a noun, but because of social media, if on Facebook you want to connect with someone, you want them. You friend them. Now friend is a verb. Who would have thought it? You know, social media is completely changing the way we talk. And I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of friends on Facebook. I think I've got about 4,300 friends. And when you have any number of friends on Facebook, you're going to realize that a lot of the people that you have as friends will probably agree with you on a lot of things like God and politics and stuff like that. But evidently, uh, there will be some people who are our friends who whatever it means about politics that we believe, whatever it means about God that we believe, they believe the exact opposite. And I remember there's this young lady from, uh, from uh, t- uh, she, she came from Texas to North Carolina. Uh, her husband was on staff at a church where I was at. And uh, we were friends on Facebook. And I started reading everything she said about God and religion and even politics. And we're not going to talk about politics, don't worry. But, but I remember everything she read. And what really bothered me was not so much the politics, but what she was saying about God. And everything I believed, she did not believe. And man, I, would, I remember one time she was talking about God and what it meant to be saved. And I wrote, I, I spent about an hour writing up this reply to her on Facebook. Anybody ever done anything like that? Yeah, you've got friends like that too, amen, <laughs> right? And uh, uh, so I, I wrote this reply up because, man, I was just going to hit her with this scripture and that scripture and this piece of theology and this thing and that thing. And I had worked it up and I showed my wife and I said, did you see what so-and-so said? And she said, I actually did. I said, look, I've got a response for her. I want you to read it. She says, you want me to read it? I said, yeah, I want you to read me and tell me what you think. And I remember as I Hope was reading that response, she would, mm. Oh, you know, she, she was really getting into it. I was like, man, I, I really nailed that one, you know. I wonder what, what part she's reading now. And after she got done, she looked at me. She goes, so you, wanna, you want me to kind of advise you on what I think you should do with this? And I said, absolutely. It's, it's just that good, isn't it? And she said, well, I actually think you ought to throw it away and you ought to delete it and not post it. And I said, I've spent an hour on that thing. Are you telling me? She goes, no, it's all right. It's all correct. But that's not the venue for it. And it really messed me up to be able to read anything else from her because I just wanted to get on and respond to her. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all have friends like that? (laughs) Yeah. But then I learned that Facebook has a feature on it. 
I didn't want to, you, you may say, well, you should have unfriended her. But if I unfriended her when I saw her in real life, it would have been real strange. But I remember I looked on her page one day and I saw this little button that said follow. And I said, what is that? And when I clicked on that button, follow, do you know there was another option that came up? And do you know what it is? You've got friends like that too. You've seen that, right? <laughs> unfollow. And let me tell you something. When I clicked the unfollow button, my sanctification, I had personal revival in my heart because my sanctification grew. I didn't think about what she said because I never saw anything she said unless I was to go to her site on my own and then that was on me. But I was able to unfollow her and I was able to dismiss everything she said about religion and God and politics and anything else that she wanted to talk about. In our text just now, we read a passage of Scripture about a man as if you were came into an encounter with Jesus and he heard what Jesus said about God and religion. And this man had the option to either click the follow button and actually follow what Jesus said, listen to what Jesus said, do what Jesus said, or he could have clicked the unfollow button and in doing so, ignored what Jesus said and went his own way. And I want to see what this guy does. And I want to see why is it that we think this guy does and makes the decision that he does to either follow or unfollow Jesus. Because whether or not you realize tonight, today, when you came here today, you came in here and you're going to leave here having made a decision to either follow what Jesus says to do or to not follow what Jesus says to do. And I pray that all of us would follow what Jesus calls us to do as we look into this text. Let me just, as I bring this text into view and explain it, I just want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, it's rhetorical. But who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Perhaps someone here would say he's the son of God. That's the correct answer. Someone else would say he's a good teacher. Someone else would say he was a radical Someone else would say this, that, or the other. Some would say he's a lunatic. Some would say he's a legend. Who is Jesus to you? Because I'm here to tell you that who you think Jesus is, who you imagine him to be, who you know him to be, will affect how you follow him. So if he's a legend, you're not going to follow him. If he's a lunatic, you're not going to do what he says. If he's a teacher, you'll do what he says in as much as you agree with his teaching. But if he's God, you'll give your life to him. So as we look in the text, I want us to see the Bible says after Jesus receives these children, he was getting ready to set on a journey, verse 17, and a man runs up and kneels before him and asks him the most important question anybody could ever ask. He says, pay attention to this, good teacher. If you write in your Bible, underline, uh, circle, take that phrase, good teacher. Good teacher, and then he asks the question, the most important question he could have ever asked, the most important you will ever ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I'm an evangelism professor at Southwestern Seminary. Whether or not you know it, your own pastor is an evangelism minor at Southwestern Seminary. Brother Dennis, I don't know about you, but when I hear this man ask Jesus this question, my evangelism professor mode comes on. And I'm expecting Jesus to say something to him like this. Well, young man, it's as easy as A, B, C. Do y'all know that? It's as easy as A, which means... Admit, admit you're a sinner. It's as easy as B, believe that Jesus is God's son. It's as easy as C, 
confess you. Isn't that what you expect Jesus to say? What must I do to inherit your life? It's as easy as ABC. Admit, believe, and confess. That's what I expect Jesus to say. But Jesus does not say that. What does he say in return? Look at what the Bible says. It says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, when I remember first reading this and studying this passage, I thought, Jesus, did you just miss the question? Are you not evangelistic, Jesus? What in the world are you talking about? Why do you call me good? Because Jesus is telling him, and as we read this, Mark is telling us, we need to think about how he addressed Jesus. How did he address Jesus? He called him a teacher, but what kind of teacher? A good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. Throughout the Bible, the Old Testament, the Bible time and time again says, there is none righteous, no, not It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means nobody's righteous. But if you look in the Old Testament, we actually find that there actually, that's not everybody, there's one person who is righteous. And we find it in 1 Chronicles 16.34. You find it in Ezra chapter 3 verse 11. You find it in Psalm 118.1. You find it in Psalm 145.9. Maybe you've read it before. Help me out if you've heard it before. Give thanks to the Lord, for He, the Lord, is... Only God is good. Jesus says that. Why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God. Either Jesus is saying, wait, why are you calling me good? I'm not good. I'm not good. That's not what He's doing, because we know He is good. In fact, in Mark chapter 2, He claims to do something only God can do, and that's to forgive sins. So he actually puts himself on the same level as God because he was God. So when he asks the man, why do you call me good? There's only one good, then that's God. You know what he's asking the guy? Are you willing to, with your lips, with your mouth, confess that I am God? Are you willing to really say it? You called me that, but you didn't know what you were saying. Now that you know what I'm saying, are you willing to say, I am God? And that's the first lesson I want you to see that this scripture teaches us. That who you think Jesus is and what you think it means to follow him can be determined by what you're willing or by what you're unwilling to say. Now this man said, good teacher, he said it, he didn't know what he was saying. Now when Jesus asked him this question, why do you call me good? There's only one good and that's God. This man has the opportunity to respond. Yes, you are God. You're not just a good teacher. Or no, you're not God. And you know, all throughout the New Testament especially, the Bible says that that's so important in what we say about who Jesus is. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, that one day every knee, that means all of yours, mine included, every every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that what? Jesus is Lord. You know, when you say Jesus is Lord, you're not saying Jesus is my boss. I know what some of you think of your bosses. (laughs) Jesus is Lord means Jesus is God. And it's not, I mean, anybody, if I said, can you say Jesus is Lord, you ought to say Jesus is Lord. But it's not just saying those words. It's like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12 when he says, That not everyone who says Jesus is Lord can do so. Only those that are prompted by the Holy Spirit to do that. And this guy is asked, who do you say I am? You're calling me good. There's only one good to God. Who am I to you? 
And how does this man respond? Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse number tw- uh, 29. 20, excuse me. I need to get new glasses. He says in verse number 20. And he said, the rich young ruler said to him, what does he call him there? Teacher. What did he miss out on? Good. Why does he not call Jesus good teacher? He doesn't call Jesus good teacher because he's not willing to confess that Jesus is Lord. Who he thinks Jesus is, just as a good teacher, will indicate how he will follow Jesus. And it's the same for you, friend. Who is Jesus to you? Is Jesus just a good guy? Is Jesus just a rogue renegade? Is Jesus just a radical? Is Jesus a lunatic? Is Jesus a legend? Or is Jesus the Lord? And if he's the Lord, it's going to affect how you live your life. It's going to affect the decisions that you make. It's going to affect the things that you take into your body. It's going to affect the places you go, the things that you look at, the things that you say, the people you're around. If Jesus is Lord, it changes everything. And this guy, who he thought Jesus was, this guy, what he thought it meant to follow him was determined by what he was unwilling to say. He was unwilling to call Jesus Lord. But there's a second truth that this scripture teaches. Who Jesus is to you and what it means to follow him cannot also be determined by what you're willing or what you're unwilling to do. What you're willing or unwilling to say, but also why what you're willing or unwilling to do. Look at what the Bible says here, beginning in verse number 19. Jesus says, you know the commandments. The commandments he's speaking of are found in Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. You know the commandments. Do not murder. What does that mean? Don't take someone else's life. Don't kill anyone. Some of you are saying, I made it through number one, right? I didn't kill anybody. But you know what Jesus also says in the Gospel of Matthew? He says, if you hate your brother or your sister, that you've murdered them. Has there ever been someone who has wounded you so deeply and so uh, harshly that all you think about is how you can try to hurt them? I'm going to be real transparent to you in this sermon today. I remember I grew up and I was a mama's boy. I was the oldest of three boys. I was a mama's boy. I played drums. I still play drums, but I played drums in a gospel group with my mother. She played piano and sang in a southern gospel group. And she and the tenor singer had an affair. And I'll never forget the night that uh, they told us that my mom was going to leave. I remember standing in front of the door where my mom was getting walked out to meet her lover in the night. And I said, Mom, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to go through me. One of the most painful things, memories I've ever had, is when my mom took her hand and she pushed me aside and she said, Matt, stop being so maladramatic. And she left her family, she left me, and she went into the arms of her lover. I remember I wanted to hurt this man because he had hurt me and I wanted to hurt her, but not too bad because she was my mom. But I really wanted to hurt this guy. And I remember I was thinking maybe maybe I could go to his house and I could take a knife and I could stab his tires and that would really get him. But then I started thinking about it. What if I stab the tire and it ricochets and comes back on me, you know? And so I couldn't do that. And I would just try to find ways to try to hurt this man. And I will tell you, friends, What my mom did and that man did was wrong, and there's no excuse for it, but God can forgive it. And I was supposed to forgive it, 
but I was unwilling to forgive it. And I will tell you, I'm a testimony. I was almost destroyed because of the sin of murder because I had already killed them in my heart. But God had a different plan. And God's word spoke to me and God's people spoke to me and God's spirit spoke to me and I gave up that sin and thank God that sin is behind me and I don't think those things anymore of my mother. That man is dead now and I didn't do it, okay? It was a, it was a heart attack. But I don't think those things anymore of them. Do not murder. He goes on. He says, do not commit adultery. What is this? This means to be unfaithful to your spouse. To be sure, this means to be physically faithful to your spouse. But you know what it also means? To be emotionally faithful to your spouse. Maybe there's some of you here today that, you know what, you're still with your husband or wife, but you know there's someone on the side. There's an old uh, Facebook friend, an old high school friend. Maybe there's a coworker where you're letting that person of the opposite sex know things you won't tell your own spouse. And you've got secrets. Brothers and sisters, do you know what that is? That's emotional adultery. <laughs> and that usually leads to physical adultery. Jesus says, do not commit adultery. He goes on to say, do not steal. Simply don't take what's not yours. Go on. Do not bear false witness. Now, to be sure, you're not supposed to lie. So don't go out here saying I said it's okay to lie. But to bear false witness is not just don't lie. It's a particular kind of lie. To bear false witness is to say someone did something that they did not do. Or it is to say someone did not do something that in fact they did do. Don't bear false witness against someone else. Jesus goes on to say, don't defraud. This is another way I believe, I agree with many commentators who say, this is Jesus' way of saying the 10th commandment, you shall not covet, you shall not desire what your neighbor has, because when you desire what your neighbor has, what someone else has, you want to try to cheat them out of it. I remember I did this with baseball cards all the time. Whenever I'd open up a pack of baseball cards or uh, anything like that, and I would want this card, I would say, I'll give you three cards for your one, you know. And they were loser cards for a winner card, you know. Uh, don't defraud. Don't try to cheat someone out of what they have. And then last, honor your father and your mother. Now, for our students who are here today, I just want to say something to you. You must obey your parents. And all the parents said... Amen. Oh, man, you may not amen anything else, Brother Dennis, but they amen that today. You've got to obey. The Bible says it in Colossians. It says it in, in Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So don't go out of here saying the preacher said I don't have to obey you. You have to obey your parents, period, full stop. But I want you to know that merely obeying your parents is not honoring your parents. And there's something more that goes into honoring your father and your mother. Let me give you an example of this. When I was a young boy, we had just gotten a Nintendo, uh, and we got this game. It was Super Mario Brothers, number one. It wasn't the new ones, you know. It wasn't Luigi's Mansion. It was Super Mario Brothers 1. And I remember I was there, and I was playing, and man, I was, I was Luigi, and I was going along, and I was getting to these levels, and I was, I'd never gotten this far before. And I'll never forget my dad saying, son, take out the trash. Listen, that was important to me, that game. And I said, Dad, why don't you take out the trash? <laughs> well, let's just say we had to get a new controller because he ripped it out of the Nintendo box there. 
And he said, I told you to go take the trash out. So I did, what I did is I got up and I huffed and I stomped over to the trash can and I jerked that trash out and I cinched it up and I slammed down the trash can and I stomped with that trash and I came to a door and I wanted to tear that door. I was so angry and I opened that door and I slammed that door as hard as I could and I took out the trash. I came back and that door was still standing there. You know what I did? I opened that door and I slammed it again and I came in and I sat there with my dad and I said, huh, now, my dad told me to take out the trash. Did I obey my father? Yes. You cannot say I did not obey him. I obeyed my father. I did what he said. I took out the trash. But here, students, is what I want to ask you. Did I honor my father and mother? You see, there's a way that some of you students are obeying your parents, but you're accommodating dishonor of your parents. And Jesus said, children, obey your parents. Now, all of these things are things that he said to this man. You know those commandments. These are things to do. What are these things called? What kind of commandments are these called? These are called the what commandments? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Look at how this man responds. This man says, look, teacher, all these things, all those things you just said, those things, all those things I have done since my youth. In other words... Ever since he was 12 years old and became a son of the covenant, he had done those things Jesus said. Now, when we read this, we think, man, this actions, these actions that he takes ever since he was 12 years old, these commend the rich young ruler. He's done a lot of good things. Some of you, when you look at your status with God, you look at your good things that you've done and you think, my good will outweigh my bad. But brothers and sisters, our good, no matter who you are, will never outweigh our bad. And by the way, that's not a Christian thought, that's a Buddhist thought, okay? The fact of the matter is, this man had said all these things. The fact that he had done all these things did not commend him. I want you to submit to you, just as it is in your case, with all the good you've done. This list of things he did did not commend him to God. These things condemned him before God. And all the good things you've done commit, uh, does not commend you to God. It condemns you before God. You say, what are you talking about? Because think about this. You said these are the Ten Commandments. Help me count. I'm, I'm a little bad at counting, so let's talk about these commandments Jesus gave. If I'll give a commandment, you give a number. Here's the first one. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. And, do, and honor your father and mother. Now, ma'am, right over here, I was watching you. You said that was the Ten Commandments. But we just said Six. Did Jesus forget the other four? <laughs> did Je Why did Jesus leave? Because those six commandments all deal with the commandments that deal with human relations. Men to men, women to men, men to women. He had done all those things. And he said, I've done all those things. But guess what he had not done? The four commandments. And do you know what? Jesus is God. He is good. And he knew everything this young man had done. That was no surprise to him, his response. But Jesus, guess what also Jesus knew? Everything this man had not done. 
And I want you to know that Jesus right now knows everything. Sir, everything you've done, Jesus knows it. Ma'am, right there, Jesus knows everything you've done. Yes, over here, little young man, Jesus knows everything you've done and not done. Jesus knows everything we've done and not done. But Jesus leaves out four commandments because he knows those are the commandments he's not done. And what were those four commandments? Guess what? They also had to do with God. Why do you call me good? Only God's good. He left out, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no graven images and worship them as God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And you shall honor and respect the Sabbath for the Lord your God rested on the seventh day. He continues to have a problem with God. Just like some of you may have a problem with God. You see, he said, I'm willing to do some things for God, but not everything for God. And let me tell you something. When we understand who Jesus is and that he's God, we will do everything he says because God demands it because he is good. Who Jesus is to you and what it means to follow him can be determined by what you're willing or unwilling to say. By what you're willing or unwilling to do. And last, before we leave, I want you to see, this text teaches us that who you think Jesus is, what you think it means to follow him can be determined by what you're willing or unwilling to surrender. Look at how the Bible says in verse number uh, 21. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Can you imagine this man already realizes that Jesus is God? He realizes that Jesus knows everything he has done, everything he hasn't done. Can you imagine the shame and the guilt and the regret that this man may feel? In fact, some of you right here, right now, when I just said Jesus knows everything you've done and not done, maybe you're feeling the guilt and the weight of all the bad things. You're not commending yourself with all the good things. You know there's a lot of bad things and it's sin that's standing between you and God. And you're saying, God doesn't want me. And you want to almost cover yourself up because you see God is looking down upon you. You think he's firing lasers into your own heart. But look at the Bible says, Jesus looked at this man and didn't laser fire uh, his eyes into the guy's heart. What does he do? Looking at him, he loved him. Do you know what, sir? Even though Jesus knows everything you've done or not done, Jesus looks today and he loves you. Ma'am, he loves you. Sir, he loves you. Young man over here, he loves you. Young lady over here, he loves you. No matter what bad things you've done. Looking at him, he loved him. And he said to him, you lack only one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Some of you say, does that mean I have to give up all my money in order to follow Jesus? Well, it depends. Is your money coming between you and God? If it is, you got to get rid of it. Some of you say, well, I don't have any money <laughs> to get in between me and God. But is a relationship getting in between you and God? Is a reputation getting in between you and God? Is your physique getting in the way of you and God? Is the way that you engender yourself to people and who you identify yourself as getting in the way of you and God? Jesus says to this man, and he only says it because he's got riches. If he had a relationship problem, he would say, get rid of the relationship. Whatever stands between you and God, get rid of it. And do something good with it. Sell, give it to the poor. But then he said, surrender it and come follow me. 
Make me your God. Surrender all. Say the right things. Do the right things. Surrender it all. Some of you are saying, man, if this guy really takes Jesus up on his offer, this man who has a lot of things, gets rid of everything, will have nothing. But brothers and sisters, had he done what Jesus said, this man who had a lot and got rid of everything, it's not that he would have nothing. He would have everything because he would have had Jesus And for you, if it's your money, for you, if it's a relationship, for you, if it's your reputation, for you, if it's your identity, for you, and whatever it is that's standing between you and God, you say, I'll have nothing if I get rid of that. Guess what? You'll be like a little child who has nothing and who has only to receive everything that Jesus gives. Doesn't it make sense now? Are you willing to surrender everything and come and follow Jesus? This man given this choice to follow Jesus or to click the unfollow Jesus button. The Bible says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He clicked the unfollow button and he was disheartened and he was sorrowful and he was sad. We want everybody to leave happy here today. So maybe in your life here today, you've been confronted with the truth of the scriptures of who Jesus is. He's not just a good guy. He's not a legend. He's not a lunatic. Jesus is Lord. And today I wonder, will you be moved by the Spirit to come and to publicly confess Jesus is Lord, to confess to God, Jesus, you are Lord. Today, I wonder, will you be moved to action with your mouth to declare him as Lord? Because if you don't do it on this earth, you will do it one day when this earth has gone away. And today I call you not to just say words that you can repeat after me, but will you be convinced that what you say with your lips, you believe in your heart That Jesus is the Lord. Some of you have been doing a lot of good things. That you've accommodated people. Think you're a good old boy or a good old girl. And you think your good is going to make you right with God. But God doesn't want good. He wants righteousness. And the only righteous one was his son, Jesus Christ. Because he was God. And today I wonder, would you be willing to surrender your attempts to please God with only the one who pleases God, and that's Jesus Christ, whenever he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Would you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Believe that when he died on that cross, he took in his body on the tree, the wrath of God against your sin and mine. He died, he was buried, and on the third day he was raised from the dead. Will you believe that that saves you, not what you can do for God? I wonder today, would you come? And today, would you surrender yourself? Would you surrender your identity? Would you surrender anything that stands between you and God and say, you know what? I really, though I may think I have everything, I have nothing if I don't have Jesus. And today, I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. Today, you can do that. Today, there'll be ministers down here. I'll be around. We can talk to you and lead you and counsel you in this decision. But brothers and sisters, you may not have another moment to do it like you do now. And if you feel like the Lord is speaking to you to make this decision, if you say, I need to make that decision, but I wonder if it's really God. Let me tell you something. It's really God. The devil's not going to try to tempt you to turn your life over to God. He didn't do that. And it's not you because we're all sinners in in the hands of God. 
But it is God who's calling you to be a witness of his today. Would you turn away from your sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and with your mouth do what this man was unwilling to do, say Jesus is Lord. We can help you with that if you'll come up to the altar here today. Some of you here say, well, I've already done that. What does this message mean to me? When I went through that list of commandments, maybe you are a Christian, maybe you have made Jesus Lord, but somewhere along the line, you've got an issue with murder, hatred. Someone has wounded you deeply, and you know what it's like to keep on going back to their Facebook page, to keep thinking about them, to be disturbed whenever somebody, your kids are trying to talk to you, and all you can think about is how you can hurt that person like they've hurt you. Today, God wants you to lay it on the altar. Some of you have relationships, intimacy, uh, just maybe emotional intimacy with someone who's not your spouse. Today, you need to get right that, that right with the Lord today. Some of you have been taking what's not yours. Some of you have been saying things that people are doing things that they're not doing or not doing things that they are doing. Some of you are trying to cheat people out of things. Some of you are businessmen, businesswomen. You're trying to cheat someone out of something. Some of you students are not honoring your father and mother. Maybe you're a Christian, but you need to get right with the Lord. Friends, it's only revival if God's people will get right with Him. And today I wonder, will you surrender all your rights and your privileges? And today, as a follower of Jesus, if you are, would you get right with Him? Maybe it's something that wasn't even on this list. Just like it was with that man. Whatever it is God wants to do, God wants to do a work in your heart tonight. So I'm going to ask our musicians to come to the front. I'm going to ask our pastoral staff to come along here to the front. And I'm going to stand here I'm going to call you to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to call you that know Jesus Christ to get right with Him. Because guess what? Our God is a great God and offers great things to those that will surrender themselves and turn their lives over to Him. And so I'm going to ask as we sing this song, How Great Is Our God, I'm going to ask a church if you would stand. And I'm going to ask you, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, would you come out and would you see one of these pastors? Would you come see me? I'm going to ask you that if you already have accepted Christ, but there's some area that God's convicting you that you need to get right with Him. Brothers and sisters, God is speaking today. Are you listening? Will you respond? Let's sing to the greatness of our God. Let's respond to the greatness of our God as Brother Matthew leads. How great is our God? Who will come? Who will be the first to come? Just step right on out. Just come. Who will come?